0: 128 of the Half Point for podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, joined as always by my co-host, Dalton Willie. No producer, Johnny Pham this week. He is uh in New York City becoming alarmingly East Coast at, at just a, a rapid pace right now, Dalton.
1: The worst time zone uh on, on the faceless planet, without a doubt. It, football ending at sometimes midnight. Can't do that. Football starting at two, 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 one, 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 one. one. See, that's how bad it is. I don't know what time it is there. Terrible choice. Terrible choice being there for as long as he is. New York City is scummy. West coast, best coast.
0: It's ironic that as you were saying that, your internet flickered like at the very beginning, but we're good now. You're back. You're stable. I think we're good. Uh, you know, I was walking home from work today. I just felt like sharing this because I I saw something that I can't say I've ever seen before in my life. And when I say walking home from work, I mean walking to my car from, from work. And I was walking down some stairs on KU's campus, heard kind of a loud noise, looked up, saw what I think was a hawk, extremely big bird. And it was like maybe 10 feet over my head, maybe, flying carrying a squirrel, a live squirrel. And, and I like just one of the more wild things I've ever seen that close up.
1: That is absolutely wild. I wanted to actually share this to let all of our listeners know that I am about that life. But this is a bag. Okay. Of candy oh again. no.
0: Oh my god.
1: And if you were a candy corn aficionado, as I am, they are a dollar at several Price shoppers across the Kansas City metro.
0: <laughs> I saw uh, I saw candy corn at my local Ace Hardware over the weekend. Thought of you uh, as I saw that they were up in the front of the store, as if somebody would just like pick that up, you know, go go there and buy uh, whatever, like you know, paint whatever you need to buy at Ace right now. Uh, filters. And just, you know, th- throw in a bag of candy corn. Why not? Sure. Like, uh, yeah, totally.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, Ace Hardware candy corn does not sound delightful to me. <laughs> All
0: right. And on that note, something that does sound delightful. After two weeks of of being off, which thank you guys uh, for the patience on that one, we are back with playoff strategies this week. You know, we were going to talk about Circle of Trust last week just I want you all to know that I was going to tell you don't fully trust Calvin Ridley yet. What does he do? Scores five points. We'll see. Probably without Trevor Lawrence, he'll score 15 points against the Browns because his season has been that nonsensical this year. We're going to talk some playoff strategies and we're going to close it out uh, with some dynasty values. Uh, look a little bit ahead into the future on a handful of guys, both positively and and negatively maybe uh on some of these guys and then maybe if we have some time Dalton we will take a look at the old home league see what that playoff chase is looking like because it is quite wild uh to say the least for the last two or three playoff spots in that league but first we will start with some playoff strategies and I will let you uh take the lead here Dalton what is your first playoff strategy or or just kind of playoff uh I guess I guess we'll just stick with strategy. What's your first playoff strategy you want the people to know about?
1: Uh well, I landed two here because I saw two on our trophy. Uh, so I'm just gonna knock those two out of the way that were on our thumbnail. Uh, you know, starting off quick and easy roster defenses ahead of time. Yeah. If you're in a defensive league, uh, it's pretty simple. You look at the matchups, you know who's going to be the candy matchups, whoever plays the New England Patriots. Yeah. Um they have a they, they have 10 total points the to last month. Uh, so, I was, I was
0: going to say, they've scored 13 points the last three games, I I think, or, or something like that. So, I, 10 total points has to yeah. be, but has to be a little bit off. But, yeah, thir- I think 13 in the last three. Got shut out by the Chargers, which I didn't know was possible.
1: Yeah, and they haven't had a passing touchdown since October. Um, so... <laughs> It's, it's just not looking up there. Yeah, the, their last three-point totals are six, ten, and 0. And so your Ramondre Stevenson is,
0: is hurt, by the way.
1: Yeah, um, so Ezekiel is their starting running back. Uh, do with that with what you will. <laughs> but, yeah, pretty simple. Uh, go out there and find your playoff weeks, what defenses you want. roster them now. Drop those backup wide receivers that have no starting value. Don't yep. worry about those guys on bye weeks anymore. Backup back tight overs. ends, too. Yeah, backup tight ends for sure. So I want to get that one out of the way because that's a pretty – pretty rudimentary one I think we talk about every year Yep,
0: yeah, and and that was my first one too but it 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 was defenses and it was also mine was just rethink your roster construction defenses and running backs especially like you said with the defenses though look ahead the defensive schedules pick up a defense maybe a week ahead I'm sure in in 90 percent of leagues the Chiefs defense did not get dropped but they play Buffalo this week so if somebody can only hold one defense, they have to get in. They saw what the Chiefs defense just did in primetime last week. It was not good. Uh, perhaps that defense will be on the waiver wire. You can pick them up and you can have a, a very juicy Patriots matchup, like you just said, uh, and win yeah. one of your playoffs if, if they're out there. But there are others like the Falcons get the Panthers the first week of the playoffs pay attention to who the Giants play who the Jets play like there is a lot of low-hanging fruit out there, out
1: there yeah. right well, even now. the Ravens just came off of a buy I mean their defense might be available and I think they're like the second-ranked defense yeah. in fantasy right now and they get the Rams uh I oh, <laughs> nah, don't pick up the Ravens <laughs>
0: I was gonna say the, the they Rams- get
1: the Rams, Jacksonville, the Niners by Miami. Uh, although,
0: although if Jacksonville does not have Trevor Lawrence back by then, that could be kind of sneaky. Okay,
1: that that is true. Um, but approach that at your own di- discretion. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not recommend trusting that against Miami at least. Yeah,
0: and and then the second part of this roster construction thing for me is you know early in the season I'm doing everything I can to to build that juggernaut team. I am stashing high upside receivers like the Jamison Williams that we've talked about uh, a month or so ago, looking at, you know, t- taking shots on backup tight ends. Even if I have a deeper league, uh, deeper rosters and, and hoping to kind of catch fire there. If I have a tight end, who is uh, a streamer, uh, maybe even a quarterback, maybe I've got more than one quarterback on the team. I'm shedding that fat and I am looking at those handcuffed running backs. You have Zeke, which I know, like, I don't want to start Zeke. If you're in a bad spot though, you, you can start him and just pray that they get inside the five yard line because Zeke could be the, the running back 26. And you may like in these leagues where you have to start multiple flexes or something that, that is definitely a value. But then you have guys like Taj, Spears, who we'll talk about in dynasty, but, one of the top handcuffs, probably not out there, probably would have to be on your team already, but maybe he is. Ty Chandler, Zach Moss before this week would have been kind of that guy, but he is the the example as to why you do this. Because you can't I, I know it didn't work out from a point standpoint, but I think his expect his expected points were like Like second in the NFL. Like second too. in the NFL. So he should have had bigger game. He's had bigger games. He probably will have bigger games if he's the starter for for any further length of time but then you have guys who i think you can probably go pluck off waivers right now elijah mitchell like you want to get that niners back up rico dowdle roshan johnson dearness johnson i think he's the guy you want in jacksonville maybe jarek mckinnon was dropped in your league due to injury due to him just not producing he's a guy that think about how many leagues he won last year and just think about jordan every, mason jo- yeah jordan mason uh, another guy too just think about every year these random names that they didn't do a thing for the first 13 14 weeks and then one injury later and they are in the starting lineup of a lot of teams on championship week and and you're just hunting for that type of guy right now
1: I've won championships on the backs of Antonio Gibson and Damian (laughs) Harris. So believe me and Leonard Fournette and
0: and, and Tony Pollard back before Tony Pollard was the starter back when he was not a fantasy starter.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I mean like even today, Brees Hall didn't practice with an ankle injury. I don't really advise any of them, but like Michael Carter in Arizona has looked really good so far. Um, That one would be an exciting player. I'd pick Uh, up. (laughs) he's better than Dalvin cook. Like what, what are we doing jets? It's a terrible franchise. They're being run so poorly. Uh, Even he might be available, but Damien Pierce in Houston, uh, that one's working back into a timeshare. And it's not like Devin Singletary is built to be a tank, Uh, but that does kind of lead into my next point. Uh, And it's don't look at season long production anymore. You got to start shortening the windows on like fantasy pros or whatever you use. Uh, Some good examples I looked at, Amari Cooper right now is wide receiver 32. That would probably slot him in as your wide receiver two, three. Um, Over the last three games, he's wide receiver 61. Mm. He has terrible point outings. It looks like Joe Flacco and the Elijah Moore connection is a real thing uh, for whatever it's worth. And it's been very unwell for Amari Cooper's outings recently. Jordan Addison, Josh Downs, two rookies who got hot in the middle of the season who have not been so hot lately. If you're looking at season long, they look really startable. If you look at their last couple of games, they really don't look like players you want to be rostering or, or starting, for that matter. Um, same thing with players like Jacoby Myers, who has been off and on.
0: Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking at the rankings right now. George Pickens is in half point. He is wide receiver 32, Cooper 31 on the list I'm looking at. He he fits that bill, uh, I think, as well.
1: Yeah. With Trubisky
0: uh, being the quarterback for the next couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, so uh, start shortening those windows you're looking at. It doesn't have to be like from week ten onwards, but I, I would I would shorten it a little bit and get a better idea at who's really producing for you. So you can look at those starting lineups, which is especially hairy uh, when it comes to running back because right now the running back scoring situation is is pretty pretty terrible. Like I
0: I, I was about ready to say, can can I ask you a question?
1: Is it going to be like Austin Eckler? Or <laughs>
0: It's going to be Austin Eckler because that ble- – my my last one, but I'll, I'll go out of order here, was to – I always have a start your studs kind of philosophy. That's how I play. But at the end of the day, your, your studs, you can't determine that by ADP loyalty anymore. It has to be who's produced. And, and looking at running back, Eckler fits exactly what you're talking about at receiver at running back where he is the RB28, but he has scored, let me see, 13, like 16.7 points in the last three games combined. Yes. Like, and the three, it's tough because the three weeks before that, he was basically 20, 20, 20, if you round up on 19 a couple times. Like, and it's fallen off a cliff. So it's like Eckler is a really tough guy to know what to do with, but people are going to be faced with, an Eckler or a Javante Williams where, where you've got a, if Najee Harris is playing Jalen Warren decision, you have a Zach Moss decision, just kind of looking Ezekiel Elliott uh, decision, Alexander Madison, who's been, you know, not very inspiring. He kind of fits in that same mold.
1: Well, Antonio Gibson, Brad yeah. Robinson's not practicing with a yeah. hamstring injury. Um, I'd be mean, just for... a J
0: Dillon, as long as Aaron Jones isn't playing is, you know, the upside's not great, but you'll take... It's nine, 10 points, not 3 you'll, points. You'll take 9, 10 points, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I agree with you, and when it comes to Austin Eckler, I'm probably looking to get off that however I can. I mean, th- these guys just scored 6 points against like the, the the Patriots who are on track to be the number 2 overall pick. It's and, not a good and, team. And
0: they're trying to be. They're trying yeah. to be the number 2 pick.
1: And... I mean, Braden Saley is actually coaching for his job right now. So it's not like they're going out there and the Chargers like it's a lost season. We'll take a higher pick. No, they're trying to win games too. It's just terrible. And I, on the Austin Eckler subject, he just, it just looks like it's it, man. Like it's it's not there anymore. Uh, and I would look to get off it.
0: He's, he's not in our dynasty conversations later on. But Austin Eckler, if I were just to make up a category on the fly, it's like, guys most likely to have reached the end of the line like Austin Eckler is kind of leading that that charge right now
1: yeah he's uh guys you're to first for midway through the season and regret it in Dynasty right now
0: he uh Johnny sent us a hilarious tweet the other day where it's like a weekly competition between Eckler's rushing yards and the amount and the yardage total for a certain floss and it's like 43 it's like it's hilarious. It's like the, my, my favorite thing to watch every week is if Eckler beats this floss and <laughs> is rushing totals every week. And you look back at his rushes last week. I don't think he had any rushes over five or six yards. And and most of them were like two yards, one yard, three yards, four yards. It, it is not a good situation right now.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I don't know who the Patriots play this week, but I might lean Zeke over whoever the Chargers play just on a pure I mean, Zeke might look less cooked than Eckler does right now, which is saying a lot.
0: (laughs) Well, and, like, uh, another guy this kind of applies to, and it's a real shame because this player is on the opposite end of of that spectrum. He is just coming into his own as a player. However, the situation has been terrible uh, for him this year, and that's Garrett Wilson. (laughs) Like, he's the wide receiver 26, but are you telling me you want to start that guy in, in your playoffs? You look at a guy like... Jaden Reed, who is a couple spots lower than him in season long. Christian Watson is out. We know that he's been on the field more when Watson is out. Green Bay has already been looking the scheme, the ball into his hands. The Green Bay offense, clearly uh, a more efficient and trustable unit than the Jets uh, on the season. So it's like, yeah, I can see myself making that type of move. You know, the Jaden Reed or I'd have to pull up. Let me pull up just a list of receivers. Look below him, like uh, I don't know the Curtis Samuel, even even though Samuel's floor is, is pretty low. Huh. Gosh, I don't. know. It, it gets pretty tough there. But those are the type of guys. Like I, I'm looking to get off of those Garrett Wilsons, the Austin Ecklers, the the George Pickens, uh, the, those type of guys. Throw that ADP loyalty out the window, because at the end of the day, you have to look at who's actually been your studs this year. But also, don't go overboard with it i know the situation is really bad in new york uh, specifically the giants i can't just say in new york uh, <laughs> but like you can't i don't see getting off of saquon barkley you know like it's really tough to yeah you, you can't move that high up the totem pole i don't think with this
1: no definitely not but i could see somebody arguing they needed to get off of a player like well 13th overall running back gus edwards yeah I, might, I understand there's touchdown upside, but I might recommend getting off that with the Keaton Mitchell post-buy bump. Yeah, for uh, sure. That brings me into my last point here, which is uh, – and this isn't something I, I've done in past years, but I think it's pretty important this year with this type of football we're seeing played. I would, I would start at least making some of my start set decisions based off of over-unders. Uh, uh-huh. This week alone, there's a 29.5 and a 30.5 over-under, which – would be the two lowest over-unders in the last 15 years. What's
0: the one that's 30 and a half? I know that the, the 29 and a half has got to be the Patriots-Steelers. Game, that uh, I don't was know if bit- the other
1: – I think it might be the Broncos game against the Chargers. I'd have to look to confirm it for you. Uh, but it, it, it's pretty pretty terrible out there, and they're just game – oh, it's the, it's the Jacksonville game because it's two backup quarterbacks. Oh, playing, yeah,
0: so- and they're playing the Browns.
1: Yes, uh, so uh, those two games – super low over-unders and if you're like between like for instance in the browns games you're between amari cooper and jordan addison i know yeah. i just told you get off both those guys i'm probably leading jordan addison because there's a higher over and you hear that it, eli
0: that advice is specifically for you. yes yes <laughs> didn't mean to be for him but it, it was
1: um and it's just because you need points scored like the total top 24 performances out of and this includes quarterback which is even funnier Out of the Chargers Patriots games last week, was one player, and that was Ezekiel Elliott. Um, Like these bad over under games can really cost you. um, And they're getting really low because the NFL is like half backup quarterbacks right now. Mm -hmm. So they're just not scoring points. And you combine that with some of the cover two stuff we talked about earlier this year. Offenses are struggling at an all time high. uh, And you got to get off some of those players. Like I wouldn't even blame some people. If they were looking to get off Mahomes for some of these other quarterbacks who are performing better.
0: Man, that that's tough. And that that is, I think, where you are kind of towing towing a line because you can get off of a good player uh and and regret it in that situation. So I yeah. I, I get it, but that one for me is is a little bit a little bit tougher for me to
1: Yeah, don't do something crazy. Go look at like an over-under in a Cincinnati game and start Jake Browning over Patrick Mahomes. Now, now we're getting crazy. But if you're starting like Sam Howell over Patrick Mahomes, I can see the logic.
0: Yeah, but we do always talk about it's so valuable to have these elite quarterbacks. I know Mahomes hasn't been the elite numbers week in, week out uh, through mostly no fault of his own, neither here nor there. Um, but you could just get the the bottom falling out uh, of a guy like Sam Howell too. So you just have to keep that out. Yeah in mind as you he did may- score 0.2
1: points at one point
0: <laughs> and so Mahomes eat like the bottom falling out on Mahomes is still probably like 11 points
1: I think since week eight Mahomes is like the QB 18 though
0: I, b- I mean I believe it yeah
1: uh, shout out Sky Moore.
0: all right my my last one here is to pay attention to your lineup throughout the week as the schedule gets chaotic and not you know lineup decisions Injuries, things like that. Uh, obviously, first and foremost, as these games get more all over the place, I'll kind of outline that um, injury reports will come at different times. Obviously, make sure you're on top of who's playing, who's not. Goes without saying. But you look at week 15, there are three primetime games on a Saturday night. Week 16, which is the semifinal week, and Christmas week, is you have one game on Thursday, two games on Saturday. 10 games on Sunday, and then three on Monday. Week 17, pretty normal. Have to worry about a little bit less in championship week. So what does that all mean outside of just paying attention to injury reports, knowing that teams are on different practice schedules? Well, your matchups are going to unfold over days at a time. In these weeks, as opposed to most weeks where you might have one or two guys, maybe three, if it's a really good Thursday night matchup going on a Thursday. And then you may have that same thing on a Monday. But by and large, your matchups are going on all at once on Sundays, and you don't have that flexibility because you don't know where you stand in your matchup until at least after the noon games and almost every situation unless somebody just really goes crazy on a Thursday or you know whatever the case may be now with the way that these next couple of weeks are set up you may know like hey I just had half my team play before Sunday I really need some upside because the these three guys they they did not play well I'm really behind the eight ball you, just be ready to make those lineup adjustments based on how your team, how that matchup is kind of unfolding over a couple day span. And then also just, I'm always more cognizant of what types of starts I need in a playoff matchup. Am I the underdog? Do I need to shoot for upside? You know, what what does shooting for upside look, look like? You know, in, in some situations, maybe not every team has this, but if I'm shooting for upside and I have a, you know, don't make the decision based only on this. But if you're breaking a tie and you have a receiver who is tethered to your quarterback or another very comparable receiver, I might go with the guy tethered to my quarterback because if the quarterback, you know, if that receiver has a good game, the quarterback is going to too. You know, you're going to have higher upside. Whereas if I'm the favorite, I'm shooting for a floor. I am probably more looking to diversify my lineup to, to kind of, insulate myself from that risk of one or two teams really kind of crapping the bed and and you know really hurting my week
1: yeah no i absolutely agree with that uh it's definitely important to look at look at that um and in the same vein make sure you're putting your players that play earlier in your starter spots like wide receiver, quarterback instead of flex i know
0: don't burn your flex spots before sunday unless you have six guys play you know like Do not burn those flex spots first.
1: Well, in the semifinals, and I think you mentioned it, uh, which is week 15, there's like a triple header on Monday or a double header on Monday. Uh, So you just make sure you have those flex spots available, especially for some of these late game time decisions that become way more prevalent during this late in the season. Yeah.
0: And you may, it may be a situation where, If you're able to move your lineup around well enough, you have certain guys playing at certain times, you might be able to, you have one guy who's questionable. Okay, I've got another guy who I wouldn't mind starting playing in one of the other Monday games instead of having to make a harder choice on Sunday and playing a less desirable player because you you just can't wait until that Monday night. Now, you may just be out of luck and may not, but, but also give yourself that maximum flexibility. And also when it comes to your lineup and your team, I am a hundred percent looking to mess with my opponent as much as possible. If they have, you know, a guy get hurt, they, they need to pick up a running back. They need to pick, you know, whatever, pick up a quarterback. I, I am never doing this in October, September, whatever, but in the playoffs, I am blocking my opponent from picking up as, you know, picking up the best guy. If I can, I I'm, adding guys just to keep them away from my opponent
1: yeah oh no uh definitely recommend sniping your opponent and encouraging your league mates to snipe them as well if you don't have the roster space sometimes <laughs> it comes down to a little politics guys
0: hey we're we're not uh promoting collusion here by any means
1: it's not collusion if you say hey i know there's a quarterback available in waivers and you can use <laughs> one in the SACO matchup
0: <laughs> all right don't anything else on. Um, on the playoffs uh, before we kind of move on to more bigger picture dynasty stuff to close us out here.
1: Uh, yeah. I was just going to say this uh, Dallas Goddard's back in the lineup and Devonte Smith is way worse when Dallas Goddard's back. Yeah. Uh, I probably wouldn't start him this week if I was a owner of Devonte Smith, just throwing that one out there.
0: Yeah. The, the other side to that, however, is they play the Cowboys. You would expect that they're going to be a lot of points in that game. So if you're, you're looking for a high over under game as opposed to a low over under game, like you know. Devonta that is Smith, fair. Devonta, I Smith would start Devonta Smith or Amari
1: Cooper. Devonta Smith or Devonta Parker. I'm probably taking Devonta Smith.
0: <laughs> I, I think, regardless of the over, i am take Devonta Smith over Devonta Parker.
1: There. Just throwing it out there, just in case uh, anybody was really in that start set. No, but that that is fair.
0: You you talk about looking at a more narrow window, but also you do have to keep things like that in mind injuries where it's like a certain guy is the, whatever Smith is maybe he's the wide receiver 12 over the last four weeks, but Oh, maybe that's not totally real because he did that without uh, Dallas Goddard or like, yeah I don't know what the, I mean, I don't even want to think about the Steelers anyway, but like Pat Frymuth is back and playing now. Well, so maybe you downgrade uh, Deontay uh, Johnson maybe even more than you already were because of Mitch Trubisky because now Pat Frymuth is, is back. He's playing. Uh, turns out that when the Steelers want to throw the ball over the middle, he can also be uh, a decent option
1: at, at yeah. Yeah, I would also just not start new Steelers, but I understand. Maybe Jalen Warren and Najee. But. I'm starting the running backs. I
0: I, yes. I think if you've got the running backs, uh and unless you just have really good options, I think you just kind of have to ride out with those guys. But yeah. I'm definitely looking to get away from the pass catchers if at all possible. Until Kenny Pickett is back. If Kenny Pickett is back means healthy, like I feel okay with
1: with Deontay
0: yeah, we, there, or, or Pat youth
1: Or Pickens, yeah. There's something brewing at least a little bit with Pickett. Yeah.
0: All right without further ado Dalton let's get into dynasty and I tease this to our league mates in the chat we're going to start this off with a little Cooper cup and the way we're going to do this is we're going to call these guys either a stud a dud or a key piece and well I don't did you do this with just next year in mind or was it more like a multi-year uh view for
1: you it was multi-year for most part uh some of these guys you'd need a multi year window, yeah. especially last one on that list. Um, but <laughs> maybe not, <laughs> maybe, maybe not, maybe not. Um, but yeah, I looked at it in a multi year. Uh, but obviously, like, some if they are a, a stud stud, only the next year matters. Yeah,
0: I don't know if we have any stud studs on this list. I'll be curious if we have any studs at all. Cooper Cup, Dalton, is he? A stud, dud, or key piece for you going
1: forward. Yeah, this one hurts. And in a league I'm competing for a championship in this year, I have Cooper Cup. Just yeah. a, a dynasty league. He's a he's a dud. I mean dud. Wow. I he's went definitely key, not.
0: I went key piece and thought that, that was gonna be like, you know, a little a little hot take.
1: Well, and, and I, I have that written for a little later. This year he he's completely unreliable. Yeah, I mean, he had a touchdown last week which saved his day. But outside of that, he's – I mean, he's a single-digit scorer. Every week he's been back except for week six and week five, his first two weeks back. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a nagging injury, um, but – Probably. He's had two injuries this year. Yeah. He missed most of last year with an
0: injury, all lower body, like, it, and he tore his ACL earlier on in his career. Not that that is like still affecting him, but just – we've talked about this with Adam Thielen, who, by the way, is like still playing pretty well. It's not necessarily a death knell, but – just I just get more nervous as the lower body injuries pile up, and as the the age, of course, piles up alongside that.
1: Yeah, so that's the first concern is that I did st- I don't know where he's at, and again, that sciatic nerve situation seemed pretty scary from yeah. the medical personnel. Um, so he's not somebody you can count on this year, and there is just so much influx with that Rams organization. Matt Stafford turns thirty eight. Like, and this is a guy who's God, had a career of injuries. Really
0: that old. Yeah.
1: This is a guy who's had a career of injuries. This is a guy who has, you know, he almost missed last year on his injury the entire time. Uh, and this is a Rams organization. He's 35. Sorry, he He's 35. He's 36. Thirds 36. Um, and this is a Rams organization where like twice Sean McVay has been rumored re- wanting to retire. and time. I'm not saying any of that's going to happen, but there's so much in flux. They need the draft capital, and they're going to probably have to eventually make a move at quarterback. And you're tying your prayer to a receiver who, over the course of the last year and a half, has been injured up and down, and then a quarterback who's been in the same boat. And then you have an ascending talent in Nakua who's done absolutely incredible things there. And it's no knock to Cooper Cup, but part of his success was he was a monster target earner and his targets are just significantly down over the course of the season. And I, I don't see how you can make a, you know, make a case that you're going to move forward with him and he's going to be a wide receiver one in your lineup over the course of the next year.
0: Yeah. So I, I have a stat for you uh, from Matt Harmon that you may have seen that kind of goes right along to what you're saying with cup, not being that, that target earner anymore the percentage of Cooper Cups targets to come on designed plays. This is per fantasy points. And Matt Harmon's the one who put this out there. 2021, it was 12.3%. 2022, 23.7%. That was the unsustainable. Like it would, that would have gone down, but it still would have been double digits for sure. Last season, this year, 4.2%. And then six week five, of Puka Nakua's targets have come on design plays. So we are definitely seeing a changing of the guard. And then, not just a changing of the guard, but we're seeing a a drop-off in play from Cooper Cup, most concerningly. Uh, I don't know if Matt Harmon has actually published this yet, but it was in his Discord, so I pulled it uh, from Reception Perception. He charted... A couple of Cooper Cup games, weeks five and twelve. Which, by the way, week five, uh, one of those games where he did have a good scoring day, fantasy wise. Um, both he was fairly fresh off injury, but that's just kind of been a theme this year. So it's like it's hard to really know um, if if he can be better going forward if he's healthy or not. But success rate versus man, fifty nine point five percent versus zone, seventy seven point three percent. And then, versus press, it's only two routes, so it is not worth it. Versus double coverage, only six routes, but 16.7%. And, like, just for a point of reference, uh, Wicks, the young rookie from from Green Bay, who's a pretty exciting little player, uh, he is better across the board than Cooper Cup in his charted route. Like, this is not a good sample from Cooper Cup over those couple of games. He's 28th in the NFL this year in yards per route run. Don't know if you saw this or not. But Puka Nakua, did you see the mic'd up between him and Puka?
1: I know Cooper Cup doesn't like anime. I was going
0: so to say, that seems like that would that is why you actually hate Cooper Cup. Yeah,
1: I mean, that's definitely uh, another knock on Cooper Cup. Uh, <laughs> and I, again, it went underreported in the offseason. But Puka Nakua was having breakfast with Matt Stafford. <laughs> and... That's what got – that's what got us Cooper Cup elite. And I think maybe Cooper wasn't showing up to the breakfasts. And now he's not in the game as much. I'm just throwing that out there.
0: Yeah, it, it could also be, like, he was historically good versus zone coverage and reception perception when he was dominant the, this la- that last year and a half uh, before he got hurt last year. And he's just not been that same guy. And at this point in a guy's career, when that kind of starts to go <laughs> – does he ever get that Foley back? I'm not sure. So I'm not going to go dud, but I am going to go key piece, which is a far cry from the stud that he was, uh, I, you know, six months ago. If we had this conversation, I think he's more like in that wide receiver 30 type of conversation. Yeah. Like you, you're taking Zay Flowers, you're taking JSN, you're taking Jordan. Like all those rookies you're taking over all of them. All the all three of those, I Jordan. Okay, Ass, okay. And, I didn't know if we were just saying all rookies. No, 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 class, no, so no, like... no, no. But like Puka Nakua, obviously you're taking over him. Uh, Tank Dell, I think at this point you're taking over Cooper Cup, and then even like, I don't know, man. I only want to say the next thing that came to my mind because it, it it's pretty bad. But but yeah, tough tough times, uh, for Cooper Cup. Move on to a guy who I think we're gonna feel more positively about, even though he may end up being in the same key piece category for both of us, that is Rasheed Rice Dalton. Are you going stud dud or key piece for Rasheed Rice going
1: forward? I'm going key piece because I'm unsure what the chief's plan is here because we've already seen him be the best wide receiver on the team. And they're not letting him be a 90% snap share guy, which Mm -hmm. is hurting him. Uh, they're they're kind of still having him run a lot of Mickey Mouse routes. They're doing a lot of like screenplays to him, and really screenplays
0: slants, curls, almost yeah. all out of the slot. This is a guy whose dot was like 15 in college. Who I, if you show me a 15 yard target, he's got this year. I will be surprised because I don't. I mean, maybe he 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 surely has. I just don't recall. <laughs> I don't recall yeah. one.
1: And I think the Chiefs are also a team where. Their, their long-term view of what the wide receiver position is going to be is probably going to be a pretty dynamic shifting of the room, whether it's in this draft or through free agency. Dalton, it better be. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, I mean, if it's not, uh, I'm probably not going to do any fantasy football or football-related content for a couple of years um, because, the, obviously, that, that room's not working out. Uh, so they're going to bring more guys in, and ask, uh, it's still yet to be seen how he's going to play out in that if they're going to continue to – Grow his role or just hamstrung him?
0: Yeah. And it's like, it, it's just tough to know because right now he's basically just a big flanker who we've kind of been saying all year we want to see him get more chances on the outside. Hopefully, with, and I say, hopefully, with these guys gone, this will happen. And hopefully, these guys are gone MVS and Justin Watson. Hopefully, with those guys gone, that kind of opens up, uh, the opportunity to put rice on the outside, just kind of see what he can do because like it is not impossible for a rice to find his way into that next tier as soon as next year. If he does start moving into that role and he proves to be good at it, like for all we know, this may be best for him uh, on the development curve. And it's probably not best for the chiefs right now for the player himself long-term This may be for the best because, like, you look at his reception perception, he's very good against zone, not great against man right now. And we kind of, even with it it being a tough evaluation out of college because he was hurt, I I think the evaluation on him has been pretty much right where he is pretty raw against man coverage right now. And he he just kind of needs some time there. Maybe this is for the best and maybe he'll come back a more refined player in that respect. Next year, you would think maybe you want more reps, uh, but uh, against that, but neither here nor, yeah. nor there. It, it's just hard to know because we, we don't know how good of a receiver the Chiefs are are gonna bring in. Whether it is just they remake the room, but it's a lot of guys where you're thinking, okay, it's gonna be kind of by committee, and then Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey are the top two or do they get a michael pittman a calvin ridley a t higgins uh i, I don't know trade for you know player x here yeah. so it depends on how that shakes out just guys like uh like a zay flowers uh puka nakua Jaden reed josh Downs. like those guys are doing more of the wide receiver one type of stuff not all of them have all those productions are varying, but just from a route tree standpoint, those guys offer more safety going forward. But Rasheed Rice definitely has a ceiling that I'm not, sh- maybe that Z- maybe you can argue Zay Flowers and Puka Nuka, but I don't know. Like Rasheed Rice given situation and ju- like when he has the ball, he just looks different than most everybody else on the NFL field.
1: Yeah. It's the same thing about Kadarius Tony. Yeah. Um- <laughs> My, the, the only other concern I have is that this organization has been uh, probably one of the worst in the NFL at developing any wide receiver talent. And whether that's the case of the wide receiver they've drafted or if they can't do it well, uh, that's been a pretty consistent theme. Going back to Alex Smith and Andy Reid. Uh, the only player that you can really pick on and say that, that we developed was Tyreek Hill. And I think he pretty much came in a ready product.
0: You know, he's about ready to uh, have more receiving yards. as a rookie than Tyreek Hill. I think that's coming up in the next uh, couple weeks weeks. I did developing. see that.
1: Yeah, so. which that's exciting. But I think Tyreek Hill was on a limited snap share and play with Alex Smith. So. I mean, limited, <laughs> limited snap share here. Uh, yes. But yes. anyway,
0: all right. Next guy, Dalton, I think is very, very interesting. And that is Tajay Spears. Stud, dud, or key piece. I'm going to lead this one off. I'm going stud. I'm going stud for Tajay Spears next year, and then hopefully for a year or two after that, and he's willing. This guy, like, if Derrick Henry is not on this team, which I'd be a little surprised if Derrick Henry was, but also I have probably thought that for a little while now, so don't want to get too ahead of my skis here. But if Derrick Henry is not on this team, I. I really want to say something crazy, so I'll just say top 15 running back next season from a fantasy perspective. If there's no Derrick Henry and I am going to end up with him on almost all of my teams because this guy's just so good, man. Like just changes directions. He's, he's just so smooth glides all over the field got the pad level you want. There's just nothing he can't do. He's a three down type of back. He, he's obviously a smaller guy. So he's not a guy you just want to bank between the tackles all game, but he can do that because he is so shifty. He's so quick with his cuts. He, he finds the right lane almost every time. Like just give this guy the lead role next year and see what happens. Please Titans, please. Like if you do nothing else this offseason, let that happen. And like, Let Derrick Henry go to a good team. Let Tajay Spears spread his wings. He's 12th in yards per touch and and 23rd in breakaway runs. Maybe more impressively, he's 14th in total evaded tackles this year as a part-time player. Just kind of shows you what type of player he is. He's first in juke rate. Like this guy, just one of my favorites. Uh, Even going back to college, one of my favorites. He's fourth in the NFL in yards created per touch at 4.58. Last week we got a two-thirds of the snaps type of game from him. Twenty touches, eighty-eight yards. Like, I think if if that keeps happening this year, more exciting days than that are ahead, and more exciting days are ahead next year and the years to come, as long as this guy can stay healthy.
1: Yeah, I have him as stud as well. Uh, Mike Vrabel's always been a guy who wants to use a workhorse back. Looks like they have slotted him in. He's the first player to get consistent work behind Derrick Henry. Going back to people we were excited about, like Deion Lewis even, if you remember four years ago. uh, People were excited about him working behind Derrick Henry, and it turned out to not be a thing. Last week, with Derrick Henry being injured for a little bit, the only running back to see any other snaps was Tajay Spears. uh, I think he's –
0: this may be – this is Ian Hart that's put it on Twitter, so I hope this is true. He's the only other running back on the team that touched the ball this year besides Derrick Henry.
1: I would also believe that, um, and uh, this Titan organization is probably going to be in a rebuild for a while. They don't look the greatest, but if they go out and they draft like one or two offensive linemen and yes. offensive, yes. yeah, in a, in a in a draft that is deep with them, he could come in on a very run heavy defense oriented team where he's just getting the same work we've seen Derrick Henry get, maybe not thirty touches a game, but 20, 22. Well, and the nice thing with him he's he's obviously he's, i'm not saying he's gonna be derrick kenner
0: but he's not gonna be game script dependent like derrick Henry, which has always been scary when the titans have not been as good the last yeah. year and change like this guy catches passes pretty frequently
1: yeah um so he's in my stud category i i, I put my money where my mouth is start of the season traded a future first for him in a different league so mm-hmm. like i'm definitely a full believer in the tajay spears experience i think he's somebody that's really going to continue to get better, uh, with the years. Yeah.
0: Oh boy. I, I just, I, I, I hope the knees can, can allow this to happen for a couple of years because he's, he's still, he's still only 22. He, he's still really young. Just one of my favorite backs to watch already in the NFL. Love him. All right. Deandre Swift Dalton. Um, you know, this is a guy that I was higher on than you in the preseason, but even I would have never seen the type of year that that Swift has had this year coming. I'm, I'm trying to to pull it up here. He is the RB14 despite basically never scoring a one-yard touchdown, which is kind of hard to do. <laughs> so, And that's also with him getting .8 points in week one because he hardly played. But also he's been very healthy this year, knock on wood. Going forward for DeAndre Swift, uh, stud, dud, or key piece? And maybe what you think of him depends a lot on if you think he's going to be back in Philly or not.
1: I put key piece, um, but it, that, well, there's a concerning trend here with running backs after their rookie year where there are a few... rookie scale
0: contract, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, where there are a few who have done well, but a lot of them just kind of become jags and then... beat out by a different rookie on a contract on that team um i don't think he's going to be back in philly just with the way the eagles build their team they don't pay up for like they don't pay for linebackers they don't pay for running backs they run like fantasy twitter wants every team to run um and so if he's not back in philly that's a concern uh and then it just depends where he runs up. He's still not done well between the tackles this season. I looked it up, and his success mm-hmm. rate between the tackles is thirty second in the NFL. It's just not his mo, and he's playing behind one of the best offensive lines. Uh, I mean, it's probably it's probably the
0: best run blocking yeah. offensive line in the NFL, especially you know between like between the tackles, like that. Yeah. That is where Jason Kelsey is getting to the second level and pummeling linebackers
1: to clear yeah. out and, space. And so it, it's really dependent. You're probably not going to get a lot trading for him from anybody who's like, well, I don't know where he's going to end up. Yeah. So you're going to hold him. He's going to be a piece on your roster. And you just really have to hope that he gets a shot at another team. I mean, you got to hope he's back heavy. in Philly. I think you got to hope he's yeah. back in Philly. If he's back yeah.
0: in Philly, I think he's borderline stud.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. But I'm I'm slotting him minute key piece and waiting for free agency to shake out and see who ends up where. Same, because I,
0: not, not that I have any reason to like any insider knowledge to think this, but I would just be surprised if he's back in Philly because he he's good enough to where, by running back standards, he will get some kind of money, and it just doesn't make sense for Philly to be the team that that does that to me. Like,
1: yeah, this, this feels like a real David Tepper at the Carolina Panthers gives him. <laughs> three years, 24 million. Well, it just did did that. Exactly what he gave Miles Sanders. Yes, exactly. That's why I'm saying that. Um, I, I don't know if he ends up on a bad team. He's a dud. Probably like
0: the, the, the team that needs a running back so clearly is the Vikings, but I don't really find him to be a scheme fit there. So I I don't know. I'm not going to try to pretend where he's going to end up, but I did this exercise thinking he's probably not back in Philly. If he is borderline stud, but just kind of with my thought process now, I'm going key peace. And for all the reasons you said this this year kind of feels like found money to me, where it's like when he got traded for whatever it was, a seventh round pick, mm-hmm. it was like, Oh my god, like this guy went from the R B five in Dynasty probably to Am I gonna have to drop him in six weeks like six weeks into the season? And then it turns out that he's a borderline RB one. Probably, if you look at points per game, like I'm looking right now, he's maybe only a couple spots lower. Like, and again, this is without ever scoring one yard touchdowns, basically, except for once or twice this season. So yeah. he he could easily be having a better year if they just didn't have the QB sneak uh, every time. So I, I I'm with like, there's not really anything you can do. If you trade him, if he's going somewhere else, it's like I don't think you're gonna get anybody the bite because he was in what is a perfect situation for him. And I've talked about this a lot this year, where it's like you, even though Jalen Hurts is banged up, you still you have that threat of the read option, where he has to hold the linebacker. Swift doesn't have to make those reads like he does with Jared Goff at quarterback, and he can just do what he does best which is just go run like you don't have to to make these reads you don't have to do anything complicated you you just bounce it to the outside you make guys miss and he's like he still looks very good it's not like this is a guy where he's getting towards the end of his rookie contract and you're like oof like i'm i'm worried about it falling off like i'm not worried about the skill stuff falling off i just worry what this looks like in a different situation. And we also have to keep in mind now there's still a month left in the regular season. I don't think anybody would have predicted that DeAndre Swift would have played every game through 13 weeks. So we just have also had a bill of incredible health for Swift this year.
1: But the thing is, it's probably even a hard sell from that side. He got probably the best offensive situation. Didn't get injured. He's still the RB 14 in points per game. And, uh, it, it, you're probably about at his ceiling unless he goes somewhere and the coaching staff figures it out. Like the only place that could be better for him was a CMC suddenly never plays football again he ends up in San Francisco.
0: Actually, I have bad news for you. He is the RB14 in total, like, total points. He's the RB21 in points per game this year. So a little bit lower than I thought. Uh, shockingly behind Tony Pollard in points per game this year. Oh, wow. I'm feeling worse as I continue to talk about this. <laughs> That's um, terrible. Behind uh, Kenneth Walker, which that isn't shocking. Uh, behind – oh, my God. He's behind Zach Moss in points per game. Points per game. So, like, Zach Moss had a – I mean, I, I know Swift scored .8 in week one, but Zach Moss scored .2 in one of those JT weeks, and then 2.6 in another one. So, like – yeah, I, I I think he's a key piece. There's really nothing. I like, I'm, I'm assuming you're not trading him right now if you've got him, and and then you, you just have to hope he ends up in an okay spot. And I think that just kind of is what is with Swift. And oof, we're gonna end this, I think, Dalton, on a very negative note. Uh, Mister Quentin Johnston. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna give gonna give Quentin this uh, little drop here. Stop pooping i mean good lord man like he's a dud right
1: uh yeah no he's a dud but you can't do anything about it
0: no like oh my god you have you have to pray he has a good game in this last month and then you sell like immediately whenever your trades open back up again in your dynasty league you are selling, you are getting out and you, you, you can't wait too close to the draft because that's when the pick values, you know, are, are going up. And maybe somebody will be like, Oh, I'll give you a, you know, a high second for this reclamation project because I was a believer and I still believe. And I think that's what you're praying for. If you have him at this point,
1: he, uh, he's, he's firmly in Nelson Aguilar, Keem Butler. Listen to, this.
0: Listen to this. He's a pure X receiver. That is the only nice thing I can say about him, I and mean, it's not really even nice.
1: <laughs> I mean, clearly the guy's in his own head with some of the drops. Yes. That's clear. Uh, yes, but also,
0: you know, we talked about a lot, the clap attack stuff. We got the victory lap from whoever it was on Twitter, like, oh, but I don't see any clap attack on on this catch at the corner of the end zone training camp. Yeah. If I can't find uh, that guy on Twitter now. I wonder why.
1: Yeah, just remember training camp videos or something to uh... – not trust yeah um and the, i mean quentin johnston is what most pre-draft analysts said which was he was raw he has all the physical traits but he's very raw uh and he lacks refinement in all of the important categories like catching the ball <laughs> um running, running routes running routes yeah
0: um uh, do you do you want to hear his reception perception breakout sad um <laughs> So 38.9% success rate versus man and 50.9% success rate versus zone. Those are both the lowest scoring among rookie running backs that, that Harmon or rookie receivers, excuse me, that Matt Harmon is as a uh, charted in reception perception this year. If you want to hear a very depressing line from that profile, here it is quote, he's in the Justin Hunter, Devin Funches. Terrace Marshall and Jalen Rager category. Ex- excuse me? <laughs> like, and 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 Harvard just did a podcast on Reception Perception. I, I think maybe literally today or like a couple days ago, where his co-host asked him, has anybody ever bounced back from such poor scores against you know against Man and Zone? And Matt just goes, No, not really. <laughs> so like it, it feels written at this point on this dude. And I hate to say that because even as his biggest, you know, some of his biggest haters coming out, we can admit the the raw tools, they are there. It's just, man, if he doesn't have every other deficiency that you wouldn't want out of a receiver.
1: Yeah. And he's he's also been uh, very unfortunate that he has had to be the one For times on this team, or even the wide receiver, too, he has not got
0: he's been the two for about a month now. Yeah,
1: yeah, and that's very unfortunate for his development because he has not gotten the opportunity to work into these things, he's just being asked to do them. Uh, and that means judgments are written much quicker Mm -hmm. on him as a player. I would not be surprised if the Chargers go into the draft and draft somebody over him. Um, and if they don't, they might they more than likely bring somebody in over him because Keenan Allen is hitting his what 32 31. Yeah. year old season uh mike williams is on the second acl tear uh austin eckler looks cooked and the uh, josh palmer uh, he's a fine wide receiver too but it's not like he's going to be the one winning the games
0: yeah keen allen will be 32 when the season starts next year which like keen allen he's still awesome if he's still there uh, uh, he's kind of to the point where i think he's gonna be you just have to kind of keep saying he's gonna be good till he's not yeah but you got to have something past that. And I am assuming that Brandon Staley will not be the coach of this team next season. I don't know if the general manager would go out the door with him or not. If that does happen, you, know, you just, you always in dynasty, you just kind of have to keep track of, of that kind of stuff. Because when a new uh, GM, new decision makers like that, excuse me, like that come in the building, we do don't know what well we know what they probably think of Johnston because we've seen him play but the guys that believed in him to be the second receiver off the board ahead of zay flowers jordan addison etc are probably not going to be there next year or at least the coach won't be
1: yeah um so yeah it's firmly in the dud category more than likely a taxi option for you i would take a second for him like yes in a minute um if they're still believers in your league, I would probably—I I just don't see it working out for him. I don't—I don't even know if he makes it. His—he'll probably make his full working contract in Los Angeles, but it gets pretty hairy from there. If—if
0: if he got trade blocked in—in in our league right now, where you are in complete rebuild mode, you have a million picks. You're looking to trade probably for guys who are reclamation projects that you believe in. Now, this is a guy who you don't believe in, but what would your highest offer be for Quentin Johnston in your context right now?
1: I'll tell you right now, I have Dontavian Wicks, and I wouldn't trade Dontavian Wicks for Quentin
0: Johnston. Oh, 100%. I wouldn't either.
1: Uh, I mean, that's tough. i like... Salvin Ahmed...
0: Would you give up a third round pick for him? In, if in, I knew it was in, going to be draft? a late
1: three, yeah. No,
0: not not a late three because the, at that point, like you just got to hold. If you're, if you're, I not. would give
1: Kadarius Tony for quick Johnson. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have come full circle on that one. All right, uh, for non-SFFL uh, folks, thank you so much for listening to episode 128 of the Half Point Per Podcast. Give us a follow. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at HalfPointPerPod. Subscribe to the YouTube. The link to all those things will be in the show notes. The show is available anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, all that good stuff. Leave us a five-star review. Thank you so much again for listening. And we will talk to you guys again next week with what I think will be a very fun and exciting playoff preview. And for those of you waiting for the SFFL, playoff preview we've we've got a little something here not not too much but it is at least worth talking about do look at these you know from esteemed journalist Jim Jimmerson himself look at these league standings in our league right now we have one two three four five teams vying for two playoff spots so I, I thought it would just be worthwhile to we go through we kind of lay out the scenarios real quick and then we can make predictions who who's going to, who's going to get those last two spots. Uh, first we have troll, uh, Mr. Noah Berry himself at eight and five with a buttload of points. All he has second most. (laughs) Yeah. Second most. All he has to do is win, and even if he loses, um, he just like the only way he's missing is if La and Trejo and, myself if all 3 of us win which is technically possible so he technically could still miss but if he loses he just needs one other team to lose and he is in there and that's not even including Noah who even if he wins uh Noah Grant if he wins and he is 8 and 6 he's not getting in over Trill and that point total probably although he's not as far behind as as others but it would have to be like a crazy 180 versus 75 uh type of week there uh you have myself uh next at fifth uh who cannot make a start set decision to save his life shout out calvin ridley shout out zach moss shout out Jalen warren shout out james connor i love all of you so much all i have to do is win and i'm in as well if i lose uh I am a little bit like, obviously, I'm at the mercy of of Law and Trejo as well, but also I am going to outpoint Total Law, and I at least have a little bit of a cushion on Trejo in that character. But Noah could very quickly catch you. But Noah could very easily win and catch me there. However, Noah plays Noah this week, right? It's Troll versus Noah Grant this week. So one of those two is not winning, and that is where it gets a little bit interesting there. Um, and then you have Trejo at eight and five, who's playing Eli, who technically hasn't clinched. If you just go by, uh, you know, the, the league telling us who's clinched and not, but it's like, I don't even want to have to go through the scenario that would have to play oh. out for Eli to not make it. Cause it is, it is a lot
1: uh law aaron you and troll have to win and then everybody has to outscore eli you,
0: you, law would have to score like 250 points and eli scores yes <laughs> scores zero zero you have to <laughs> score zero yeah so it's not happening uh e- eli is in uh for trejo he either needs to beat eli or he needs to uh, you know, Noah to lose. He needs lot to lose or me to lose. He, he's in that sixth spot right now. He needs two of, of those teams to, to lose and, and fall behind him. Um, and prefer, like he can't be in a points battle with Trill because he's not. No one's winning a points battle with, yes. with Trill at this point. And then J-Law, this is where it really gets uh, complicated. He has to – not actually, not complicated. It's actually quite easy. It's just a lot that has to happen for J-Law who, by the way, has scored like 300 in some points the last two weeks, so he is making yeah. making a late push to make this interesting here. Just beat Brian last week, who uh, changed his team name to the North Plaza Chargers. Uh, shout out, Brian, for that, for embracing the joke there. Law needs to win. He needs to outscore Trejo and Noah or have them both lose. Like, if Trejo and Noah both lose, and Law wins, he's in. If if they both win, well, if Noah if Noah wins, doesn't matter. If Trejo wins, Law has to score like 90-something points more than Trejo. So, basically, Law needs everyone around him to lose to, to basically guarantee that he's going to get in. Uh, if we look at the actual matchups this week, one advantage—I'm going to completely jinx myself here. One advantage that I do have is I, I'm playing Rowdy, who is not a team looking to win. With that said, Rowdy is not— as low scoring as like you and Brad, so anything is possible there. But I at least have an easier matchup on paper than Trejo, who's got Eli, and then Law, who has Juan Pablo. Who, you know, shout out Juan, man, his defense is on point this year.
1: <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> and that's all you could ask for.
0: And he, you know, it's not like he's scoring a disrespectful amount of points. He's still outscoring Law. He's not that far behind Trejo, but he is. Uh, second in the league and much worse than I think probably eighth in points right now, so yeah, he, he's definitely living right, which is just how it goes. That's how it goes in fantasy when you don't have a a doubleheader league, which you know we do not. Uh, so with all that said, Dalton, who are your picks to make the final two playoff spots?
1: Well, let's just go. How how this is looking? I think I think Noah. Beats troll. I mean,
0: I'm sorry. Final three. It's it's three playoff spots yeah. still up for grabs.
1: So I think or Let's just let's get the easy ones out of the way. Okay. I think Juan Pablo does it. I think you, he you shocks. Think he, you think he beats Bavaria? Law? I think he beats Bavaria. <laughs> He's good. Secures first round by. Why didn't you say Juan's team name? Uh, because there's a J in it, but it's not a J. <laughs> um, secures first round by Law's out. Okay. The raccoons lose to the skunks. Terrible yeah.
0: outcome. What really hurts the raccoons is they're starting, um, well, let me look who, who is well, they're starting
1: started? Justin Herbert. So we'll start there.
0: Well, he's also, okay. He, he still empty in his flex. Trejo still refusing to name a flex after Ramondre Stevenson goes down. He will be choosing between probably Kenneth Gamewell, Miles Sanders and Deontay Foreman. Not good. Uh, maybe Jalen Guyton, maybe like a uh, KJ Osborne and pray, um, Maybe, you know, Gamble doesn't play till 720, Osborne 325. Maybe he's trying to wait and see kind of what the point tolls are looking like at that point, which is smart. I would do that too.
1: So we have the Skunks losing. Now they need to win some tiebreakers. Mm -hmm. We have you winning. I think that one's pretty easy. Then we have Noah, the tanks winning, beating Mm -hmm. Troll, which then Ah. moves Noah into the sixth spot, kicks the raccoons and Bavaria out and solidifies the playoffs. And this also, and I,
0: I think this is exactly how it's going to go by the way. And that, that would also put uh troll Noah at the five spot. So we'd have me at the four troll at the five and Noah grant, the Toledo tanks at the six in this scenario. And I, I do think when I was looking at this yesterday, that that is how I think it's going to play out. However, like that, trejo eli matchup and the noah's matchup is is very much i don't want to say 50 50 but it's like 55 45 in both those cases so they're the swing games well and 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 law and juan like those those two like all three of those are very close so it's going to be a day of calculating points calculating tiebreakers looking forward to it looking forward to it Very much. As long as I'm not involved. As long as I don't lose to Rowdy and have to be involved in trying to add up my points, then I'm good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, (laughs) it's going to be a a crazy end. I have a matchup with the uh, North Plaza Chargers uh, in games that don't matter. So... (laughs) And Ty plays the worst team in the league. The second worst team in the league. So he's all but secured a first round bye. Yeah. um, Not that he didn't already.
0: Yeah. So just go ahead and send Ty's $100 back to him now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That is going to do it. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back with a playoff preview next week.